Roman. Hello, Pathy. Do we have more enthusiasm now? I think we do. <laughs> I think we do indeed. It's been a long time. Man, it's been so long. I'm, I'm actually super excited. And we've basically not talked about anything at all in the, I don't know, five minutes that this call's been going on. I know. So I'm, I, I, I just want to hear any, everything and anything. I know. Uh, I must say that it's been mostly my fault that it's been so long. Um, no, no, it's uh, definitely mine as well. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> let's uh, let's agree to disagree on that one uh, <laughs> we've always been doing really good on the disagreement so let's let's keep them coming yeah that's true actually what is it that you're drinking uh this is some fruit tea it's called punching pomegranates oh looks yeah looks yummy uh <laughs> i just had some coffee so i should be all full of energy yeah i had plenty too so uh caffeination should not be a problem for this for this podcast yeah all right so just to give some context to maybe newcomers <laughs> <laughs> i'm not sure if we will gather many newcomers to this particularly specialized sort of podcast but but sure yeah 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 so Pussy and i uh used to uh record this podcast um every now and then like at least twice a month or something like that we were pretty good at this yeah i was surprised we had like nine episodes or something yeah in a short span of time we used to do that and then we no longer worked together for some some reasons and then i moved out of the uk and then i had a pretty uh, dramatic uh comeback to to spain which um, i think i gave you some kind of a clues that where things were going on in my life we can talk about that um it's mostly work related so it's fine it's not too personal uh although i don't mind telling you the personal stuff but i'm not sure if, <laughs> if, if our audience would be too interested in that yes please so l let's start with where are you actually calling from right now yeah so i'm i'm calling from my home in madrid uh, that's where I live at the moment. And you are in London, I guess, right? Still in London, yeah. yeah Pretty close to the Tower Bridge. Yeah, so, your yeah. apartment looks amazing. And I'm sure the, the listeners will agree, yeah. <laughs> but thank you. Yeah, uh, we are doing video just to to make sure that we're actually talking to each other and not to some bots or robots or, or things like that. Anyway, so so yeah, shortly after I left the UK, I, I came back to, to Spain to join a company called uh, Job and Talent. That company had a really good reputation here in, in Spain. The, the truth is very talented people work there. But for some reason, weird things were going on in the company when I joined. And three weeks after I joined, the CEO decided to fire most of us oh shit uh yeah i had been there for only for three weeks uh there was another guy that had joined from from a german company a zing you know zing yeah 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 this guy had joined from zing and he had been in the company for three th three days before he got fired <laughs> oh, uh, shit. yeah so anyway yeah that was pretty uh uh shocking that sounds brutal but Correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I remember you actually saying you would move to Spain no matter what, and then having a job was pretty much a secondary concern yeah, exactly. at the time where you made that decision. Is that right? Yeah, I kind of miss Spain. I had been in the UK for like 10 years. I mean, I, I love the UK, but I, that's what I felt at the time. You made you made a pretty good choice back then, I, I'd say. Yeah, okay, yeah, Brexit was pretty recent. Uh, yeah. You need to give me a, a summary of that as well, because I know you're quite... Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you have like 10 hours? <laughs> Actually, uh, I'm changing subject slightly. I, I, I'm not sure if you follow CGP Grey. Do you know this uh, podcaster, YouTuber? I, I know of him. I don't really listen to anything I believe that he's on at the moment. Yeah, he's got a pretty good podcast called Hello Internet with uh, Brady. Well, uh, 
yeah, another podcaster and YouTuber. And he's been off the internet for many months. He doesn't read Twitter or Reddit or anything like that because he was he felt like he was wasting too much time on the internet. And then after a few months on one of the episodes of this podcast, he asked Brady for an update on on Brexit. And <laughs> <laughs> it was such a mess. This was at the end of last year. So when many things were going on. Yeah, many more things have been going on since then. Yeah. 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 So anyway, just to keep it short, after that, I joined a, a startup in Barcelona. I was working remotely for them called Verse. Uh, they do peer-to-peer payments so like Venmo. So like the cash app. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Uh, so I was there for almost two years. It was amazing. I was in a really good team, uh, iOS team, uh, with two other guys. Amazing guys. I learned so much from them. I think that's where I feel I've done the best engineering during my career. Not because we didn't get, do good engineering uh Twitter, but because the team... Because I, I held you back. No, 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 that's not... That's not <laughs> but I mean, in terms of iOS and the app, because the Twitter app was so massive, we had a thousand different approaches uh, to components, architectures. Here, because the app was uh, quite new, we were a small team, the scope of the app was much more as well. I don't know. I felt that we did a really good job, learned loads. I was super happy. But anyway, after two years there, in last December, I decided that I needed a break. The product was almost feature complete. The business was going in different directions. So I decided to leave. I took a few months off and I was uh, traveling. I went to many places, Singapore, Indonesia, Thailand, New Zealand, nice. Australia. I actually thought about staying there and work remotely, but it's not so easy to find a, a I mean, it's doable, uh, but most companies either require you to uh, to be ready to travel to either US or Europe, you know, uh, every now and then, and traveling like for eighteen hours just for a week is uh, not the best thing. So yeah, I'm here back in Spain for now, and I've recently joined a startup that belongs to Santander Bank. Ah, it's also in the payment business. Uh, I joined as a tech lead, uh, which. I don't really know what it means. It just means that I need to interview people. And <laughs> uh, <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, we, we can talk a bit more about tech leading later. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> it's a good topic. So that's a, sort of a brief summary of what I've been up to. So I think now's your turn, Passy. Yeah, man. Definitely a lot less eventful than, than your life in the past um, two and something years. Yeah. Still at Facebook, still almost in the same team. Uh, I think the last time we talked, I was in the Litho team, or yep. uh, I think it's called Native UI Framework. So that's the actual team name. I'm now the tech lead of a team called UI Tools, but it's effectively a sibling team to that one. It's like part of the same org, part even of the larger. I'm not sure actually what that unit of teams is called it's not an org it's not a team it's something in between like a meta team or something okay and we work on a when you say meta team it's because it's more horizontal rather than feature vertical kind of team or what do you mean yeah so it's, it's all ui infrastructure and like component kit which you may know it's like a ui framework for ios yep. that's also part of the same meta team i should really figure out what, what this kind of structure is called but but anyway so yeah ui tools is part of this we work on a bunch of smaller tools and the larger one is flipper which is a extensible mobile debugging platform it's also open source so you can check this out at fbflipper.com 
And yeah, it's it's like a tool. You can embed an SDK in your mobile applications, iOS, Android, React Native, much of other platforms. And then you can get insights into your application state. So you can see things like the network requests that you've made. You can check out the layout tree. You can even do some live editing there, which is really helpful if your app takes a while to compile to see your changes on there. So yeah, that's basically what I do now. Is this framework uh, agnostic? So, I mean, does it work with native and React Native? And yes. It, what it... The, the platform itself is super generic. And the idea is that you can also build your own plugins. We've got a bunch of internal plugins for, like you can imagine, news feeds or other pieces of infrastructure that are a bit more involved and where it's useful to get more information on what you can see on screen to figure out what's going on. And yeah, in terms of views, we, we support native Android views and native view, um, iOS views by default. And then you can extend those. For Android, we have Litho support, for instance, and Sections, which is a framework sitting on top of Litho, and Component Kit support, which I guess makes sense for, for Facebook. Yeah. But yeah, if you have your own custom UI framework, you could also pretty easily add support for that. And I just saw some tweets that you, you sent uh, uh, not too long ago about some documentation, a nightmare, or <laughs> you, you were doing a lot of uh, documentation, or did I read it wrong, or what, what was it? No, that's right. I just realized I made a typo in there, and it was two days ago. And it even got some retweets. I'm pissed off about this. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> so, uh, we, I, I organized a documentation week for, for the team. So basically, we stopped uh, what we were doing otherwise and just focused for one entire week on documentation and some other smaller open source tasks. And effectively, just meant like making sure that the screenshots are actually up to date that we have on the homepage because they were about a year old when we originally open sourced all of this. But also made sure that we documented some protocols that we hadn't before and made sure that all of the instructions were correct. Originally, the entire project was called Sonar and we renamed it to Flipper afterwards, shortly after the open sourcing. And uh, there were still some Sonar references just floating around in some places. So cleaning up stuff like this. But yeah, actually, it, it felt pretty good. I kind of thought this would be pretty tedious and like, oh my God, and I'm writing documentation for an entire week. And that was actually pretty cool because the entire team was really excited about fixing a lot of things. We had a long list of things we wanted to f figure out, like adding a proper features page. So it looks a bit more like a normal page for product rather than some, you know, engineering project. Yeah. And... Uh, we managed to get basically everything done we wanted to. The only thing that's left is I wanted to split up the packages because right now it's like one big Gradle thing and you pull in half of the Maven central archive when you integrate Flipper in your app. But it's debug only, so it's like mostly okay. I'm assuming there's an iOS counterpart, right? Because you're mostly talking about Android stuff. Yeah, I, I still like, I, I should know more about Android. Uh, <laughs> I can't even say the word. Yeah, I, I should definitely know more about iOS. Yeah, but I, I still mostly work on the Android side and it's an Electron app. So there's a bunch of JavaScript and even some Rust involved. Yeah. Okay. So do you work uh, closely with the iOS counterpart team or? The, you... Oh, it's, it's, it's all part of, it's a very small team, but yeah, we all work on uh, all the components that are in there. But because it's so plugin based, it's pretty nice because most of the individual plugins and even the infrastructure for the other UI frameworks that I'm built within the teams that actually own these these frameworks. And we don't have to know about everything, which would be an insurmountable task otherwise anyway. We, we can't just build the entire infrastructure for like Newsfeed and the Watch tab and Marketplace and React Native and, mm. and everything in there. 
I wanted to ask you uh, regarding the the effort and estimation. So w- when you started working on this thing, was it something that was already started or were you involved in the estimation of effort? We don't really do estimations there. I think this is where it all starts. I wasn't involved in the uh, initial conception of the project. That was uh, my buddy Emil who kicked this off. Yep. But he basically told our manager back then, like, Hey, look, we've got this Stetho thing. Um, I don't know if you've used this before. I think we had this at Twitter even. So it's this thing where you integrate a dependency in your project pretty similarly. And then instead of having a, a separate app that you connect, you connect the Chrome DevTools to your yep. app. So it just shows up as a remote device. And then you can do some things like, yeah, also look at the layout. And it's then shown to you as if it were a DOM tree and you can inspect the individual nodes and then the CSS attributes that you normally see on the site and correspond to the, the properties of view attributes instead. Yep. So that's pretty cool, but you can kind of see how this falls apart at some point when mobile concepts don't accurately map onto web things. So for instance, we had this view for the storage part and there then you would use, I think it's like WebSQL where you have the individual database tables and it works fine as long as you use SQLite. But now what, what would you do if you wanted to have some GraphQL representation in there? Mm. And it was like, what's the closest plugin we could kind of fake integrate this into? And yeah, this didn't really work. So we wanted to have something that's a bit more extensible. And I used like the Royal we here. It's not actually yeah, me, no, but no. Emil kind of came up with all of this. So yeah, he built this over, over the course of, I don't know, a couple of weeks, a couple of months, something like this, just to figure out if this was possible. And yeah, when it turned out that it was, and he found some internal people who were interested in this, we kind of turned this into a proper team. Yep. And but yeah, something like estimation never really happens. More like, yeah, let's let's see how quickly we can build a prototype to like a proof of concept, and then just to get approval, to go ahead yeah, and resources, right? Um, okay. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. So another thing that I actually managed to get done in in my time is start a podcast. Yeah. There. Yeah. Let's and talk about that. Yeah, that, that was. Good fun. It took us quite a while to figure out how to get this done because we were the first ones to ever run a external public facing podcast within Facebook. So finding the right channels and everything was a bit of a challenge in the beginning. But yeah, it worked out really well. So you asked for permission before forgiveness? In that case, yes. Just, uh, yeah. yeah. Unlike us at Twitter, like we just did it. <laughs> <laughs> we were careful. Yeah, well, but also let's let's see the, yeah, we, we were careful, but um, the media environment back then was also a bit of a different yeah, one. Yeah, it was indeed. <laughs> Maybe not, I mean, we were also under the microscope, but not, not quite as antagonistic yep. as now. Yeah. So this podcast is still ongoing. How often you guys record or used to record? Yeah, we do this once a month. It's called Inside Facebook Mobile, a bit of a... Um, mouthful, but uh, <laughs> we, we try to find something that kind of conveys what what it's all about. So effectively, we were very clearly inspired by Android Backstage. I'm not sure if you ever listened to this, nope. probably not as iOS guy, but so Google has this podcast where they basically also just drag a bunch of engineers in in the room and talk about Android stuff, but very low level things, but also about like how things are actually built. And I always admired the transparency that they had and wanted to replicate this somehow and teach people not just about the stuff that we do, but also how it's built, the culture around it, interesting problems that you don't really hear about otherwise. No one will write a blog post on on the official 
uh, engineering blog telling like, oh yeah, this this stuff is really fucking hard, and <laughs> we still haven't really figured out how to do this effectively. But yeah, maybe, maybe you can. Yeah, blog posts <laughs> are usually sense. the happy conclusion of yeah, it's amazing. We're launching this thing, and it often seems effortless. Exactly. Then oh, this guy's so amazing. I think. Yeah, I believe we actually had pretty similar intentions back then at Twitter. We had the same thing where the official, was what's it called, like kite.twitter.com or something yep. like this. That blog was also mostly press releases, uh, in, in a sense. It was like very heavily scrutinized, boiled down articles that sounded fairly robotic. I mean, they were clearly interesting, but basically stripped of all the personality yep. <laughs> that they ever had. I was like, yep, yeah, we built this thing. It's now open source or here's a paper about it and uh, feel free to re-implement it. And that was all. And you had no idea who's behind this, who the people were and the interesting implementation detail, so to say, but about the implementors rather than the actual implementation. Yeah, exactly. I'm not sure if you want to move on to the next topic. I've got a few things I wanted to talk to you about. Sure. And this will relate a bit uh, with the tech leading uh, kind of conversation. But one of the first challenges um, I'm facing in this new role I'm um, uh, just started is, and you're going to say, oh, what a shitty challenge. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the, the current development of the, of the product is done by a third party. And, and they decided to, to structure the, the code base as a monorepo. To be fair, this is the first time I'm facing uh, a monorepo. Uh, I remember that at Twitter, we, we had it. Uh, everybody hated it. But we were lucky enough to not have to be part of that because the, the mobile apps uh, were outside of that monorepo. However, here, everything is part of that monorepo. And I wanted to discuss pros and cons of monorepo in our experiences, whatever we can talk about, or, you know, personal opinions. Because like I said, in my new role, that most people hate it. The third party defends it as a best practice. And also it helps with versioning, which I do understand. But as I told them, I don't think the mobile apps being inside there helps with versioning. So I'm not sure what, whether you're in favor of it or not, or you just see pros and cons and depends on the situation. Do you understand this correctly that in your case, then it's all the mobile apps, but also backend or what? Yeah, backend, infrastructure, everything is a single repo, everything. Like front-end, uh, the website. Okay. So I've not seen repos where this works really, really well. But the reason that it does is that there is a lot of actual shared code in terms of native, so C, C++, Rust, potentially some JavaScript yeah. for, for React Native or something else. And... If you have a build system that actually supports this, it can be a really good experience because it really means you have everything at your fingertips. It only takes one command to basically build everything. And you don't have to mentally switch between the different models. Sharing is way easier. And if your versioning system or source control management system supports this well and is able to deal with the large amounts of data, I think it can work out really well, but there are a bunch of really big ifs in there and infrastructure that needs to be supported. And I'm not sure what your reality is like there. But what, what do you mean by the source code infrastructure must uh, be able to handle it? Do you mean something like Facebook had it with Buck where the compiled classes are shared and things like that? Or what is it? That's Yeah, the build system is definitely part of this. And I think it's probably the, the most important bit. If you just have one big monorepo and then you have individual Gradle projects in there and uh, Xcode 
projects and some CMake stuff. And for everything, you need to know how to actually build it. I'm not really sure if there's a lot of value there. The value really comes from having small modules that you can then share between all the different platforms that you have. But I think the biggest thing was even back at Twitter, we had this massive problem that just with the performance of Git. I know at this point, yep. even Microsoft has made really big investments into Git and the Windows source code is part of Git. I'm not sure what the experience is like now out of the box, probably still not good, but presumably a lot better than what it was three years ago. Did we use at the time uh, LFS, the large file system extension of Git? Not really. No, I don't think so. Do you think it would have helped? I'm, yeah, probably to some, to some degree. Yeah. As soon as you have third-party check-ins, so some big jars or other blobs, then I'm sure it helps. Yep. But it's just uh, the number of files itself can just be devastating to the performance yep. when you run git status and there is no daemon that runs in the background to keep track of incremental changes to your working copy. Then it basically means just traversing the entire file system over and over again to figure out what has actually changed. And that that's just, yeah brutal and yeah what, what most implementations then do is they have some sort of thing running in the background watchman is one of those things you can use for this effectively just keeps an in-memory copy of the file tree and then uses watches like inode base i know this is what you do on, on linux and i notify and whatever the fs extensions on macOS are to make sure that it only updates stuff that it learns about from the file systems that something has changed yeah I wonder if this new APFS that Apple release helps with any of this. I'm not sure. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, in this case, I'm not quite sure. I'm still, like, I've only been here for a couple of weeks. Still need to to learn all the details. But, but yeah, with the mobile apps, I think it'd be. Sorry. No, yeah, I'm just curious. You mentioned that an external party builds all of this. Uh, at the moment, yeah. So part of my my job is to build a team that will internal team that will take over all this development. So yeah, they they decided to to make this um, yeah technical decision, and I mean it works for them, so it's fine. But I just I I, I want to know how it will work uh, going forward, whether it makes sense or not. Right. Um. Because that yeah that I mean versioning wise, it makes sense to have a single um commit that all the infrastructure and and backend you know, to make sure it's all compatible. Although there are some other versioning systems that don't require the monorepo. Yeah, I don't know. To me, that seems like an, an odd reason for doing this because in the end, you will still have releases of your app that are effectively independent of this and rely on a certain version of the backend to be deployed. Yeah, yeah, but within the backend, if you change the version of a, let's say your backend is broken down to microservices, if you update one of the systems, if you rely on the commit uh, for versioning, you will make sure you don't need to version the the APIs or the interfaces. Is a is a, is a lazy uh, reason, but it does okay, work, right? Yeah. If, if it's all checked in, you know that commit will work. So, an, another question I have: Is it all about just one app per, per platform, or are there multiple ones? It's one app. So, sorry, may, maybe I didn't explain okay. it properly. But the monorepo contains all of the backend, the front end, as in web front end, and mobile apps. Okay, because as soon as you have multiple mobile applications, then <clears throat> the value of monorepo is also dramatically increases because you will probably have some shared assets even if it's just shared style sheets yeah, colors whatever the next time some big redesign comes around or you share some components between them the same framework so you want to run a big code mod and update some 
legacy framework to something new, then you can do this just in one big sweep across all the platforms and all the apps that you have. Yeah, so my current thought is to leave most of the backend and frontend within the monorepo and move the the single mobile apps out because, as you said, there there are single apps uh, per platform. Yeah, I'll keep you updated if I find out any. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, what what other things related to tech leading uh, have been challenging for you? I mean, you were already a tech lead at, uh, at Twitter. Yeah, but it was a very different thing. It felt more like a project manager than what I yep. do now. I don't know. I think like the, the biggest challenge of tech leading, and I hear this from a lot of people in in that situation is like figuring out what tech leading actually means. Yep. <laughs> and it it's always so dependent on the particular team, the state of the team in, in terms of like, where is it in its infancy? What kind of project are you working on? I feel like if you work on a product, it's very different from a piece of infrastructure and, and so on. But yeah, so for, for, for my particular team, we were in, in a position where we had a, particular set of problems and i i came in there and they were all pretty much related to the the project itself being born out of a prototype and all of the kind of growing pains that you experience from from there and i think i had a pretty good idea on how to approach this whereas i would not have been all that or not have been able to be all that helpful if this had been the position where you're just figuring out what the project or the product should even be I don't know. I'm not that visionary, yeah. <laughs> I would like to say, but if it's more about like cleaning up tech debt, I feel like this is something I'm, uh, I can probably figure out. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think that this, what is a tech lead is a new trendy question. A few few years ago it was what a senior <laughs> engineer should, should do or what a senior engineer is. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's not like a complete agreement on what it is, but I think there's a clear picture of what a senior engineer should do and, and should be. Uh, but now it's moving up the stack. <laughs> so what's the setup of your team right now? So at the moment, there's just a bunch of product owners that have that clear idea of what the product should be, like you said. And then we are two tech leads. At the moment, we are focusing on recruiting, interviewing people, and interacting with these uh, third parties that uh, are helping the with the development. Um, so yeah, we'll be setting up the team and then helping with the transition technological transition and also uh, what tasks go still go to the third party what tasks uh, do the the new setup team uh, take on and, and things like that that will be short midterm and from then on i've got no idea <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's so interesting because this is clearly a tech lead role and it has basically has basically nothing to do with what i do I don't really do much about re- recruitment or and hiring, at least not as part of the tech lead role. I do like the standard things like, well, not standard, but I organize some events. I do some extra curricular work, but it's not really related to this. And I also don't, don't do, do like task management or any of that. Yeah, but to be honest, I do hope that after this initial uh, period where I help to set up the team and get people up to speed, I do hope that my role will be more similar to what you described uh rather than just being a a team manager or whatever which is more what my current role looks like yeah my idea is to from then on yes help the the team make decisions to to overcome and solve uh, technical problems 
um yeah otherwise i will i will stop calling myself a tech lead (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i remember just just at twitter it was a a role that i did not enjoy at all i basically just meant you do less of the stuff you're actually good at which is coding and (laughs) work on the actual product and instead it was just all about process what's about Exactly. I, I I do not want this to be the beginning of the end of my career as an engineer. I've seen too many people calling themselves uh, tech leads as an excuse to stop coding, if you see what I mean. Yeah. And to and stop being hands on uh, at solving problems, and and that's not what my my goal is. Um, but we'll see. <laughs> right. Yeah. I I remember it's just sitting in never-ending quarterly planning meetings and as soon as the quarterly planning was over the next quarter came around and it was time for quarterly planning again (laughs) quarterly planning man this is uh, too long to think about it (laughs) (laughs) yeah all right so i'm not sure if uh, there's any other thing uh, regarding tech leading or 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 similar you want to talk about Otherwise, let's keep this a, a an item on the agenda. I want to follow up on this, and I also want to see where where this leads you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. The same the same way I did with this mono repo thing. I'll, I'll, I'll probably drop some more questions to you. See what you think. I, I really value your opinion on these things. You know that. <laughs> yeah, the thing I'd be quite worried about if you just have some external small party telling you hey here's this monorepo we've set up for you this doesn't really sound like there are a lot of resources behind this to actually maintain it and make sure that this will continue to work going forwards it's like it is such a massive undertaking to make this work and make sure that it continues to work and without this i'm i'm very skeptical of its value I'm super happy you saying that because that's exactly what I said to them like it, it is a best practice and and big companies do use it but there are many more things beyond just the monorepo. There's a lot of tooling and infrastructure for it to work. I think the project is small enough at the moment that if we need to move in a different direction, uh, it won't be a problem. Okay, very important question I need to ask you because you you were always on the forefront um, when we last talked about like video games. <laughs> are you still up to date on this? I am, I am. Uh, I, I'm, yeah, still enjoy video games a lot. Actually... I do remember, at least you used to be into watching people streaming games. and uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you told me I enjoyed it. I didn't understand it at the time. But re- recently, I've been watching more and more speedruns at home in the evenings. You know, I was in, a bit in the background while I do some other stuff. But I really enjoy all the background talk, how people discuss frames uh, frame oh, windows it's, it's incredible how yeah. they look into memory they do memory dumps <laughs> there is this uh conference i don't know or events called games done quick quick yeah yeah i love it i love it and i do not know if there's any scandal or any kind of controversy about it but <laughs> <laughs> maybe and i don't think it's been cancelled yet in, in that sense so <laughs> all right but i'm sure there have been smaller ones for sure it's, it's just too big to be scandal free at this point yeah but i do enjoy that you know the the donation part of it and that people are quite from what i've seen i like that they are quite inclusive in the sense that you just need to know how to play a video game and then they will say okay here i'm doing a power slide and they explain what the damage boost is which i had no idea and so many concepts that um, are new were new to me, but they they were kind enough to explain it, explain them while they are playing. 
yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying that. Uh, I'm not speedrunning myself yet. <laughs> uh, there, there are some amazing YouTube videos. I think one is in uh, Yoshi's Island where you can effectively manipulate the, the memory directly through some of the movements you can make. And it's like, oh, yeah, you do a rotation here that flips this bit. Then you do this one here yeah. and then ta-da, credits. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. So in terms of video games, uh, I've recently played uh, Sekiro. You probably read or heard about it. I have, yes. I was sure you would you would play this one. Yeah. yeah. I remember one of the episodes uh, we talked about Bloodborne from the same yeah. developers from software. I did enjoy Sekiro. It was bloody hard. I'm not quite sure what to think about this uh, easy mode <laughs> uh, controversy. Because I, I do agree that part of the appeal of, of these kind of games is how hard they are. And they may force you to to get good at them or get good. <laughs> uh, I, I hate that sentence. Uh, <laughs> get good. Um, uh, I also played uh, Cuphead recently on the Switch because I didn't own an Xbox or, or Windows PC. Have you played that one? No. Oh. I, saw, I saw some videos about it. And yeah, the, the art style and the music and yeah. everything is amazing. I even listened to the soundtrack for a while. But yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's I haven't a, played it myself. Yeah, it's a very difficult game as well. It does have an, an easy mode. Mm, and I'm sure I played Red Dead Redemption 2, which I'm not quite sure what to think about it. Um, <laughs> it was too long. It was super amazing at times, but I don't know. I just recently heard someone talk about this on a podcast and it seems like the opinion about it for many people seem to have soured over time. It's like, yeah, sure. It's like very cool how you've managed to replicate all these individual actions. But um, while a lot of people described this in the beginning as immersive, now the consensus seems to form that it's actually the opposite of this because it means like if you have to press individual buttons for opening a drawer then pick the item out and unfold that item that's not actually how you perceive things in the real world that's like i just grab this thing (laughs) and then it's there instead of like those animations broke the spell far too many times for me like what am i waiting for him to open a drawer and and yeah like i'm yeah i'm full the book and this doesn't make sense yeah so i didn't actually play it uh i'm, I'm super bad at this in general i uh, <laughs> i'm still trying to finish god of war which i got when it came out <laughs> which i think is over a year ago now yeah i'm pretty pathetic when it comes to you to this however i did play inside in between and finish it but oh. i mean it's like i don't know how long it actually is like two hours yeah a bit, play through maybe a bit longer yeah i love that one as well I, I did love God of War as well. Um, yeah, what did you th- think of Inside? Did you play Limbo before? before? No, I actually didn't. Okay. Uh, so I went straight with Inside, which I heard is like more refined anyway, stories better. And so like, okay, I want to have one game which I can actually finish. This one seems to be like a pretty well-formed experience. So it felt like pretty much in my wheelhouse. And okay. yeah, I really liked it. Okay. It's It's incredible. It's so much like wow, what the fuck is going on? And that just continues throughout the employer playthrough. But the what the fuck's turned from what the fuck into what the fuck? So yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask you without spoilers, what do you think of the end? But you just said it. I I, I loved it. I'm not sure if there's a controversy around this. I'm sure some, some people were pissed out about about the particular ending, but I, I absolutely adored yeah. the weirdness. That yeah, it was, it was quite quite crazy. Okay, I'm following our, our little traditions. I think this time you start with some 
interesting TV shows. I do follow your uh, tracked account, so nice. I kind of know <laughs> you have a very prolific TV show watching life. Yeah, I don't do video games, but yeah, I, I still catch up on, on a lot of TV shows. Do you watch them at 1x or do you spit them up? <laughs> no, yeah, I watch them at 1x. I, I, I remember we had a discussion about this in the office where we were pretty appalled about a particular team member. I think was watching Game of Thrones at 1.5x. Oh, yeah. So yeah, no, <laughs> um, I don't really care about podcasts and the deliberate pauses in between, but no, for TV shows, yeah. I, I could not imagine doing this. Yeah, for the record, I've I've been slowing, progressively slowing down my podcast uh, listening speed. I think I'm at, I'm at 1.2x at the moment from 2.1x. <laughs> oh, wow, man. <laughs> I, I can't do this. I'm, I'm too deep down in this. Um, my up next list in Pocket Cast gives me anxiety. If I were now to just lower my, my playback rate, I, I would never, ever even finish my, my, my weekly must listens. Yeah, I've been unsubscribing from uh, quite a few podcasts because they didn't spark joy uh, <laughs> <laughs> anymore. Yeah, I should do that too. Yeah, yeah. So in terms of TV shows, what, what top three TV shows would you recommend? Oh, t- top three. Um, let's, let's talk about the ones that are running right now because otherwise I, I, I wouldn't even know where to start. And that alone is incredibly hard, I would say. It's, I mean, not mentioning Game of Thrones would just be silly. It's the biggest TV event that we probably will have in our lifetimes. Yeah. It's, it's hard to imagine something like this ever happening again, given the consumption culture that we've de- developed. Yeah. Are you enjoying it so far without giving stuff away? Uh, I'm loving it. I probably, same as most people, I was a bit annoyed at the horrible banding I got from the uh, third episode of eighth season. It was too dark, too banded. I can see you massive. I'm, I'm one of those horrible people who are like, yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm lucky to have a, a really good TV here and I did not have any issues. Look, mine is not too bad. It's like an LG OLED. LC7. Uh, it's OLED. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure if the source material. Yeah, source material. But I try to uh, watch the uh, least compressed version I could find, and the first 18 minutes were pretty bad. What TV? Which one is that? Is it Sony? It's a Sony A1. Yeah. Yeah, I love that one. <laughs> so it's a slightly this this back leaning model. Yeah. I, I love this thing. So yeah, I, I didn't really have too many. It's, I was a bit surprised in the beginning how dark it was because normally you can kind of extrapolate like, okay, if it's dark here, then it's effectively unwatchable on anything else. And I, were, I watched it during the night. So it, there was definitely no backlight and everything. It's like, yeah, no, I, I can basically see this and I can see that those parts are probably not meant to be seen, but it still strikes me at being very, very dark. It's like, uh, no, just, just by um, searching on Twitter, it was clear that it wasn't just, just me who was a bit concerned about this. Yeah. Uh, apart from that, I think the other problem they they didn't plan or do too well, um, and I know this word from other podcasts that focus on Game of Thrones uh, I listen to, and it's called geography of the scene. When there are too many scenes interlaced, would you say, if the viewer loses track of where a character is like the location of where where this happens yeah then the if the viewer loses track of what is happening or who is where and or what's happening yeah i've heard that complain and uh it's, it's definitely true but i i've got to say i've only watched it once and i've heard like m- most for most of the people this actually only showed up in uh secondary watches and i think i was so emotionally invested in this i, I 
couldn't really I, I didn't care about the locations of individual people it kind of made sense to me in the moment and i've had like all the emotional punches were effectively delivered yeah so yeah wh- whether or not it made sense if john was facing the dragon in the courtyard and he could see the werewolf tree or not um i was not particularly concerned about it in the moment i i, I did say about the how dark it was but it didn't it didn't uh prevent me from from enjoying it so i, yeah. I did enjoy it i think it's been a really good season and i've got to say the second episode the very plotting heavy one i think it might be at least they're in my top three Mine too. episodes of all time i loved everything yeah oh, it was so good the conversations were amazing i mean clearly just all based on, on the nostalgia yep. and to some degree even fan servicey but I, I i don't see how this could be wrong it's just like reaping the f- the fruit of, of everything they've planted years ago it's 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 amazing how they pulled this off yeah that episode had been brewing for eight seasons yeah. uh, or seven seasons prior so it was amazing okay um so uh, we, we now made it to through one of <laughs> three shows i would recommend at the moment um i i think hmm, the second one for me would still be billions have you watched this at all no Okay, I, I still love it. It's it's uh, a show which can be a bit polarizing because it's effectively about really shitty people doing shitty things. And I know this can put some people off, wow. but uh, one of my favorite shows of last summer was Succession. And this is very much in, in a similar vein. Um, this is about the financial industry. Uh, so it's about Bobby Axelrod, who manages a hedge fund which a bun- with a bunch of other very ruthless kind of people and his... Uh, let's just say antagonist, this kind of relationship may or may not change over, over the course of the seasons is Chuck, um, Chuck Rhodes. Yeah. That's his last name. He's, he starts as the district attorney of New York and basically just wants to hunt him down. So it's like this, this two powerful white dudes effectively facing each other off but it's so brilliantly done and i listened to some interviews with the creators behind the show it's for them it's just this blank canvas in which they can project whatever kind of story they want to tell whatever genre they want to tell it can be like it can be a heist episode it can be a drama it can be a romance it can basically be everything and all all the characters are super well developed i i really love it nice okay and last one man this one's tough it's either Barry or it's Barry. Okay, I don't know that one either. Bill Hader, do you do you know him from Saturday Night Live or yep. other places? He plays a hitman in okay. Los Angeles, and he <laughs> gets into acting classes. And um, it's it's a very very dark comedy. Becomes increasingly dark over time, but I still think it's absolutely hilarious. The episodes are relatively short. It's all about 30 minutes. But the amount of plot and character development and relationship work and just stupid but incredibly funny jokes that managed to squeeze into such limited time is just absolutely incredible. The, the writing is top-notch. The last episode was insane just from a stunt choreography and camera work and then at the last frame i saw this was directed by bill hayden you know i get always a bit pissy when i see this because it feels like the distribution of talent is sometimes so unfair when i see someone who's so incredible in the lead role and then is also director so what can't he do but yeah it's it's amazing (laughs) okay i'll write those down and uh, I'll, i'll check them out 
Um, well, to be honest, I, I've been trying to cut down on how many TV shows and podcasts I I take on. When do you listen to podcasts that you feel like having to cut down on those? Um, usually when I commute and then in the evenings when I'm doing some chores. Yet, um, okay. And, um, like, yeah, cleaning the toilets, <laughs> <laughs> folding clothes. And things what is, like what that. is your favorite toilet cleaning podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just to mention a couple of shows I'm, I'm also enjoying, but they are more popular. I mean, I mean they are, I think, well-known, although... I'm sure yours are also well known, but anyway, I really enjoyed uh, season three of True Detective. Oh yeah, that was great. Uh, this guy, what's his name, Mahershala Ali, and um, yeah, is one of my favorite actors at the moment. I also really enjoyed the Green Book. There's uh, the the movie. Uh, did you watch it? Let's say I really liked his performance. I do not like the movie, but yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> I, I basically watched it because of him and his performance in it is incredible, but yeah, I did watch it uh, because of him. And then I also enjoyed the OA. Have you seen it? Oh my God. Yes. If we were talking about just shows this year, um, I would, th this would have definitely made my list. Yeah. That, that show is so special and the, I don't remember her name, but she, Brit Marling. Uh, yeah, she writes scripts and she yeah. directs. She's so talented. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the first season, I really didn't understand what, <laughs> what it was all about. But after season two, it's like, oh my God, she's so good. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't want to spoil anything about the second season. But it's yeah. like, in the first season, you're like, oh man, these, these moves, this is pretty weird. I'm not sure if I can get behind this. And it's literally <laughs> the least weird thing in the entire second season. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, yeah. At some point, those moves are, are just like, part of it. <laughs> I saw some some people organize something in front of, I think, the Trump International Hotel, <laughs> where, they, where they tried. So it was like a flash mob, and they tried to leave this particular reality, which I can totally get behind uh, by performing the moves. But it looks incredible when a bunch of people do this uh, synchronized that in the open. <laughs> oh my god, that just made my day. <laughs> Uh, all right. Um, I'm not sure well, what's next, so maybe we can leave it here. And uh... absolutely, let's definitely do this again, and maybe without a two-year gap in between. Yep. But I'm, I'm glad we are reactivating the feed, and this is all because of you. You just pinged me and said, "Like, hey, do you mind me <laughs> re-enabling our SoundCloud account so I can move everything over to Anchor and then just did this?" Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. I'm, I'm super happy that services like Anchor are coming out. I, I'm, I'm sure there will be some, again, some controversy about the politics uh, podcast. It's so weird that it took so long for a service like this to appear and that it, you would literally still pay five quid a month or five dollars or whatever to just have your podcast hosted. Whereas it should be obvious that uh, there is some money to be made, but just making it as easy and accessible as possible to as many people as possible. Yeah, yeah indeed. Um, so yeah, I, I was a bit sad to that SoundCloud just... Uh, removed most of our episodes so i saw that if we paid for another month we could get them back and transfer the the feed so i did that we moved it to anchor so all of the back catalog is uh it's a i never understood how those how soundcloud ended up with that particular pricing structure i think it would have made sense if they had said okay you can upload another three hours of audio every month by continuing to pay but instead it's like I think you still have like a fixed 
amount of stuff you can upload. Yeah. But then as yeah. soon as you stop paying, they basically archive all but the last three things that you've uploaded yeah. or something like Indeed. this. I think it just they they did you just leave sixty minutes or something like that or or two or yeah or something like that. Minutes. Yeah, I'm not quite quite sure. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, we got back in touch and said, oh, let's do this again. And Amazing. I'm super happy we did it. Same, same here. And I, I always like having more opportunities to do podcasting because I'm still pretty shit at it, but and now it's like part of my job. So I, I feel like having more more opportunities to exercise this muscle is good. Yeah, and I must I must say that you sound even more British than last time. <laughs> I'm I'm sure I sound even more Spanish because I don't I'm not surrounded uh, by English English people as as I, I used to. But yeah, it's still as as fun as always. To me, you still sound pretty much the same, Ramon, in a good way. Oh. Thanks, Fassi. You're too kind. <laughs> anyway, so just uh, to to finish this, uh, people can find us on Anchor, on iTunes. Oh, no, Apple Podcasts is now called. Right. Yeah. Google Podcasts, maybe? I haven't actually checked because this is now a separate directory, but I, I'll make sure that it shows okay. up in there. I recently submitted a podcast for Spotify, so that should be available. Amazing. And yeah, we're still strictly untyped on Twitter. We are. You are at Passe. I am. I am still at Monchote. And yeah, hopefully we'll talk to each other soon. Mm-hmm.